1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Alaris Equity Partners Income Trust Third Quarter 2020 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, note that all lines are in a listen-only mode, but following the presentations, we will conduct a question-and-answer session. If at any time during the call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for an operator. Also note that the call is being recorded on Friday, November 6, 2020. And I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. Curtis Crevettes. Please go ahead, sir.
2: Thank you, Sylvie. Good morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Polaris Equity Partners' uh, conference call and webcast to discuss the financial results for three and nine months ended September 30th, 2020, as well as a brief corporate update. I'm Curtis Kervet, Vice President of Investments, Investor Relations, and I'm joined on the call by uh, Steve King, President and Chief Executive Officer, as well as Darren Driscoll, Chief Financial Officer. After a short presentation from Steve and Dan, there will be a question and answer session. The lines will be placed on mute until then to avoid background noise. Before we begin, I'd like to remind our listeners that all amounts are given in Canadian dollars unless otherwise noted. Listeners are cautioned that comments made today may con- contain forward-looking information. This forward-looking information is based upon a number of important factors and assumptions, and as a result, actual results could differ materially. Additional information concerning the underlying factors, assumptions and risks is available in last night's press release and our MD&A for the period under headings, forward-looking statements and risk factors, copies of which are available on CEDAR as well as our website. Non-IFRS data is also presented and may differ from the way other companies present such data. As with the forward-looking statements, please refer to last night's press release and our MD&A for the period
3: for more clarification. I'll now pass the call over to Darren Driscoll. Thanks Curtis and thanks everyone for joining. Uh, certainly happy to be reporting a solid Q3 in the midst of a global pandemic that uh, points to required services that the majority of our portfolios provide. More of our companies reporting year-to-date increases in revenue and profitability than aren't and the overall weighted average earnings coverage ratio for the portfolio has increased from historically right around one and a half to 1.7 a significant move uh, in one quarter. Now this is a significant stat as we do cap our ECRs at two times to avoid skewing the numbers. For example, Federal Resources has an ECR way over two, but that would inflate the overall number if we use the actual ECR. And more importantly today, we have 12 out of 17 partners with an ECR over one and a half times. Just over 18 months ago, that was six out of 16. Our businesses continue to perform in a very challenging environment. We issued an operational update a few weeks ago that suggested 23 and a half million in revenue and the quarter produced just that. Except for a small FX induced variance to land at 23.4 million, a 16% increase on a per unit basis over our previous quarter. Also, in the quarter, we achieved normalized EBITDA of 20.1 million compared to 17.3 million in the previous quarter, a 19% increase on a per unit basis. Those revenue and EBITDA results primarily a result of two of our partners. Uh, BCC's recovery been, has been much faster and better than expected after being required to close all of its clinics for over two months in Q2. Regular distributions restarted and were paid in full for Q3, and there's a plan to pay the 2.2 million of unpaid distributions from Q2 in the coming months. And nothing has been accrued in our books, so those will be increases to future revenue totals. Kimco is seeing significant tailwinds from the additional cleaning requirements that the pandemic has required. After no distributions of the first six months of 2020, they paid uh, just under a million USD in Q3, with another 1.1 million USD expected in Q4, and now at an expected annualized run rate of 4.4 million US, and the prospect of more in the way of distributions and loan, loan, me, loan repayments in the coming quarters. Uh, of note, this quarter was a conversion to an income trust and a name change to Alaris Equity Partners on September 1st, which resulted in a number of accounting impacts that even a die-hard accountants will be hard-pressed to get excited about. Bottom line is the trust is a different kind of a company that tracks different accounting rules. Specifically, in Alaris' case, that impacts the accounting for RSU and PSU commitments to management directors, as well as the method for presenting the convertible to Note 13 in our financial statement sets out the various headline impacts, and we'll be happy to answer any questions on the call or uh, follow-up after the fact. The income statement impact was a $10.6 million increase to earnings in the quarter due to the change in accounting for the convertible ventures, but that impact was fully blacked out when we presented our normalized EBITDA result. The trust conversion allows us to retain more capital internally by reducing admit expenses related to operating subsidiaries overseas, and most importantly, reducing our effective tax rate on U.S. revenue, returning us to an overall rate comparable where we were pre-2019, and lowering our payout ratio. A couple of improvements to our disclosure worth mentioning, we've condensed the partner fair value table in Note 4 to show the base currency to take some of the FX noise out, and then a significant change to our partner section in the mb where we now summarize key points in a single table and then provide commentary on those partners where additional explanation is warranted. We hope uh, people have found both of those changes uh, useful. Uh, Q3 did see a handful of fair value increases, obviously most significantly, Kimco, up $7.5 million US, to $20 million U.S. on the heels of materially improved results over the past number of months as well as our expectations for the months ahead. Unify uh, was up uh, $0.7 million U.S. based on continued success in 2020 uh, as this U.S. Uh, IT consulting business has grown organically and through new opportunities in the current business environment and through the quarter it became apparent that a, a max reset uh, uh, would be happening for 2021. Uh, Similar to Fleet, uh, up just under a million U.S. based on their 2020 financial results uh, that will ensure a maximum reset in 2021. Uh, no, no decreases at all in fair value of any of our partners this quarter. Other businesses like LMS and Federal Resources, for example, continue to perform well ahead of expectations, but no fair value adjustments recommended at this time. Last quarter, we mentioned an opportunity to support Federal Resources on a PPE contract with the U.S. government. Uh, The supply chain as it was drawn up didn't materialize and instead uh, FR has recently secured a supply chain that will deliver the PPE but over a much longer time frame which allows FR to use their own balance sheet to finance the project. Uh, So Alaris had previously paid an $11.5 million US deposit which has all since been repaid so no financial impact to Alaris other than the benefit of having a high performing partner like Federal Resources. Earlier in the year, fair to say we were expecting our first weighted average negative reset in over 10 years, and as the year has played out, our expectations have certainly improved and are now for a flat reset, based on the following, an increase of greater than 10% for LMS as they continue to perform, a top of the collar resets for Federal Resources, Unify, and Fleet. Uh, BCC, which we thought would be down after two months of closure, uh, we'd now expect that to be flat, uh, depending on their Q4. Uh, bottom of the collar resets as expected from Planet Fitness, GWM Heritage, and Amur, and DNT, which uh, will be down 6% this year, but was up 6% last year. Uh, earlier this year, we flattened the payment on the 2020 reset so that the current distribution will be maintained through the end of 2021. So you won't see a change to the DNT uh, revenue amount until uh, 2022. An overall flat reset during the economic fallout from COVID-19 displays the benefits of a diverse group of partners and industries and speaks to the high quality of our businesses and, more importantly, the management teams that are running them. Uh, other items worth mentioning, our bank covenants continue to be easily met. and Just recently, we extended the facility another two years to November 2023 on similar terms. And we'd certainly like to thank our bank syndicate for the significant show of support during these truly unique times. Uh, on our income statement, G&A was a little higher than normal in the current quarter with uh, approximately $0.9 million spent on the, the end of the trust conversion. A non-cash unit-based, formerly called stock-based comp expenses artificially decreased uh, in the current quarter based on the new accounting rules for the trust, uh, but you'll see in the normalized EBITDA reconciliation, the MDNA, that we have allowed for another half-million or so to normalize the expense for the period. Uh, the ongoing legal issues with Sandbox will take time to work through, and Alaris will not be giving any updates on this topic unless required in relation to a material change in the suit, a resolution of the matters, or a final judgment. As stated previously, Alaris will vigorly, vigorously defend the uh, claims made against the company and uh, to date, obviously, no accounting or financial impact in the financial statements. The longstanding dispute with the CRA continues, but a second favorable tax ruling with a similar fact pattern to ours, was decided in the taxpayers' favour during the quarter, giving us further confidence in our position. In fact, the CRA has reached out and is interested in a settlement discussion and we're currently putting together a proposal for their consideration. And with more visibility on our partner performance, we have returned to providing detailed guidance in the Outlook section of the press release and the MD&A, expecting revenue of 26 million for Q4, which I should add does not include any recovery of the BCC unpaid revenues or anything extra that may come from Kimco. It also does not include any distributions from Planet Fitness. And with all of its clubs now open for three months, we do expect some level of distributions to commence in early 2021, and will provide guidance as soon as terms are finalized with Planet Fitness's senior lender. So with 120 million million of dry powder and a payout ratio below 75%, which is our lowest in, uh, in many years, uh, that only gets lower with the restart of uh, Planet Fitness distributions, uh, we are well positioned head, heading into 2021. Uh, so with that, I'll turn it over to Steve uh, before we're going to Q&A. Great, thanks, Darren.
4: Um, so obviously, Darren had done, has done a great job of outlining the strength of our partners. So I don't have too much to add uh, from a financial perspective. But you know, obviously, we we have been very much awarded for our philosophy of partnering with well-run, required service businesses. Uh, they tend to be more resilient in, in uh, times of distress like we're in right now, so we're, we're very happy with uh, with everything in our portfolio. Uh, reporting an all-time high number of companies with more than a 50% cash flow buffer and an all-time high aggregate number of a 70% cash flow buffer, all while we're going through a pandemic, proves that our model is working extremely well. Uh, And it certainly gives us and should give investors confidence that regardless of how long the pandemic persists, that our fundamentals are strong and that we'll be able to keep providing our investors with a a steady yield at the very least. Uh, An update on Planet Fitness, Uh, Darren mentioned that all of their clubs uh, have been open. Uh, So, we do have now uh, several months of of actual numbers and trends to look at. Uh, So, while they're not paying us their monthly distribution right now, their cash flow numbers are strong. Uh, uh, Membership numbers have stabilized, and interestingly enough, actual gym usage uh, 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 at our locations have moved up over 80% compared to peak pre-COVID levels. So while we get paid whether members use the gyms or not, the usage number is actually very telling as it relates to the risk of future membership declines or perhaps growth. Uh, Having a payout ratio below 75% with an identifiable event in the near future, which is Planet Fitness restarting, that'll bring us down into the low 60% payout ratio range, should give investors a very strong sense of not just stability, but also potential dividend growth. Combine the restarting of Planet Fitness with any material amount of capital deployment, and our payout ratio would actually be in the 50s, well below our stated objective of 65 to 70%. On the deployment front, uh, we've had a great deal of success uh, during this period in sourcing potential new partners uh, that are obviously attracted to our capital because of the ability to retain control, retain the upside, and also to do a transaction that doesn't involve lenders, who have uh, shown to be very difficult to deal with for many companies during the pandemic. Uh, We expect to be quite active with new partnerships and follow-on deals over the next four months based on transactions that, that are in process today. Uh, we have begun traveling again to the U.S. Uh, as we've been deemed as essential workers, so we expect that we'll be able to move forward with transactions that are in progress now, uh, now that we're able to be face-to-face with uh, with our potential partners again. Uh, I'd also like to take this chance to thank not just our employees, but also the management teams and the tens of thousands of employees at our 17 partners. Uh, this has been a really difficult time for everybody, obviously, uh, you know, and managing working remotely uh, and working while well, trying to protect the health of your families, it's, uh, it's, it's obviously been a tough time for everybody. Um, and we do expect this environment to last for some time, but we feel that we're very well positioned to prosper, regardless of how long it takes. So, uh, Sylvie, I'll, I'll throw it back to you and uh, open it up to, uh, to questions.
1: Certainly, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question at this time, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. And should you decide you would like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. And if you're using a speakerphone, we do ask that you please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Please stand by for your first question, which will be from Scott Robertson at RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
5: Thanks. Good morning. Good morning. So you guys have been deferring distributions from Planet Fitness now for a couple quarters, uh, but it sounds like you guys are closer to a solution that will get distributions restarted. Uh, My question is, you know, what would have to happen to the distributions in terms of, um, you know, a level of of initial restart or or timing of restart to trigger a meaningful revaluation of the investment, um, you know, from an auditor perspective, you know, just thinking as we're heading into the Q4 auditing process.
3: Yeah, Scott, we we right now are in our fair value modeling uh fairly conservatively for Planet Fitness. Uh we did that back in Q1 which resulted in that uh a fairly significant write down of Planet Fitness. And so uh we would have to be well below our uh, I think uh we've got probably somewhere between uh, 50 and 75% of distributions collecting in 2021 right now. So so worse than that would result in a in a decline and and we certainly don't expect that. So uh, we expect better than that, we expect some level of distributions, we expect some level of recovery of of unpaid distributions, Um, but obviously this is one that is the most sensitive to what's going on right now uh, and we'll uh, continue to work with them uh, uh, on the go forward. But as far as Q4 valuation, there would have to be a a fairly significant change in, uh, in our expectations.
5: Got it, thank you. And I guess uh, my next question is around Kimco. Um, you know, how much upside do you guys think there is there? Uh, you know, theoretically, you guys have the ability to force a sale of the company um, and you know, receive some proceeds from there. But do you think there's potentially more upside if you were to hold the investment rather than you know, monetize and deploy into something new? Um, just get your thoughts on that. And I guess, you know, could you remind us, excluding the changes to the operating environment right now, where there's an increased, uh, you know, amount of um, focus being put on sanitization. You know, have there been any fundamental changes to the company that would suggest the financial performance would improve under a normal operating environment? Thanks.
4: Yeah, for sure, Scott. The, the, the management team at Kimco has done a great job, and, and uh, they were seeing gains before COVID. And uh, expect that to continue going forward, uh, with or without COVID. So, so yes, there have been material changes, especially on the uh, on the sales side. Um, the first few years under this management team were really focused on right-sizing the company and the and the cost line. And now the next phase was increasing sales. So they've kind of rebuilt the sales department. Or we're seeing some really good traction from that pre-COVID. And then of course, uh, we've had a significant rising tide with uh with covid and and uh, i think most people expect um higher cleaning rates going forward even after a vaccine is uh is developed so you know but that's kind of the the million dollar question on uh, on that industry and that company is you know you know what is a, a normalized state um you know they're uh there are many multiples uh, ahead of where they were from an EBITDA perspective uh, just last year. Or so, how much, you know, if you if you did sell the company, how much credit are you going to get for, for the current run rate? Um, you know, that's that's up for debate. So that's that's what we're evaluating right now and working with some uh, some advisors to get as much, you know, good intelligence as we can and, and make that decision uh, in concert with the management team. Who, you know, we we wouldn't uh, force anything. Here, um, but if if uh, between us and the Kimco managers uh, we think it makes sense, then we'll we'll move forward with the sale. And if we think there's just a really long uh, pattern of uh, of growth here, and and even you know doing some tuck-in acquisitions, then then that's a possibility as well. But uh, you know, right right now, I would I would suggest our our um, you know slight preference would be to. Uh, to uh to selling and uh recouping some uh, some cash out of this one that would be, you know, far and above what we've uh, got it listed at on our balance sheet.
5: Thanks That's it for me. Great, Thank
4: thanks.
1: You. Okay. Your next question will be from Scott Thomson at CIBC. Please go ahead.
2: Hi. Hi gentlemen, uh, good morning. Uh good morning. just uh Following on the Kimco, can you give us an idea of Kimco's exposure in terms of real estate asset class and geography, just uh, thinking about in terms of uh, um, marketability for uh, for a sale, uh, you know, in, in terms of um, outlook uh, on, the, uh, on business uh, sort of post-COVID?
3: Yeah, they have, uh, Scott, they have a massive footprint, uh, 48 states they operate in. Uh, certainly uh, heavier footprints in some, uh, you know, around the Chicago area, the Atlanta area, but but really diverse across uh, across the country, uh, and uh, a reasonable uh, uh, amount of um, variability around the, the t- types of business. Lots of office towers, lots of manufacturing spaces, some uh, some frontline retail like telecom retail, uh, but a really good diverse uh, customer base uh, and uh, and, a, and a big geographic mix as well. And importantly,
4: they uh, they kind of removed themselves from uh, from malls over the last uh, couple of years. The mall business was not profitable, and given the pandemic, uh, I think that was uh, a, you know a very savvy move getting out of malls because that's probably not a place you want to be right now.
2: Okay, thanks. Uh, it's very helpful. Um, just uh, going back to the M and A pipeline, are you revisiting many deal files that uh, started before the pandemic and? And how have, uh, how have the negotiations and proposed terms changed uh, for these warm files, if you want to call them? Yeah,
4: we do have uh, one of the deals we're working on uh, was, was uh, started pre-pandemic. Um, the rest have, have come about uh, over the last uh, couple of months. And uh, we really don't um, foresee uh, much of a change in our, in our typical terms um i would say uh the vast majority of, of what we're doing is uh that kind of a standard uh, 14% uh, initial uh dividend yield from uh, from the companies so uh but you know a, a really tremendous group of companies again low debt levels and and uh, companies that have performed extremely well during the pandemic so we're uh, we're excited about uh about uh, hopefully getting some of these to the finish line
2: and are you seeing sort of revived interest on cold uh, deal files? And, and are you seeing a lot of new inbounds?
4: Yeah, our, our new inbounds uh, have returned to basically pre-COVID levels. Uh, they did come down for the first uh, few months of, uh, of the lockdown. Um, but no, we haven't, we haven't seen kind of a return of, uh, of cold files. Uh, the ones that we're seeing are our new opportunities.
2: Okay, that's it. I'll turn it over for uh, other questions. Thanks very
1: much.
0: Thank you.
1: Thank you. Next question will be from Gary Ho at Desjardins Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
0: Thanks. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, this first one on the BCC here. Sounds like you know they've turned really turned around the corner here, uh, and they are mentioning uh, you guys are mentioning a deployment of the second and third tranche. I think it was uh, US third, 45 million or so. Any more specific in terms of timing, you can share with us, and uh, what improvement to the payout ratio would that look like?
4: Uh, in terms of timing, we we wouldn't do anything with uh, with BCC until uh, we're caught up on all the deferred distributions. Uh, so the three months of of distributions that we deferred in Q2 would need to be uh, caught up before we did a uh, follow-on investment with uh, with BCC. But they're certainly they're. Their uh, EBITDA numbers uh, are are sufficient to do a follow-on transaction, and and we would be ecstatic to put more money into that company. Uh, talk about somebody that's proven themselves during the most difficult times. Uh, the management team is is absolutely top-notch, and um, you know, uh, one of the interesting things is we actually think there's a little bit of a COVID tailwind uh, behind their numbers right now. Is people that are staying home more and uh, not traveling, not going out for as many dinners, things like that, some of the more, you know, they, they've got more disposable income and uh, we think some of that is contributing to BCC's numbers. So you know, we want to be cautious, we want to make sure that we know exactly you know, what, uh, what part of their numbers uh, may be you know, a tailwind, um, do they still have some headwind with some people not being comfortable going in, um, we'll want to see the next uh, next couple of months play out, um, and uh, as I say, we want we want those uh, deferred distributions to be caught back up first. So, you know, that's those are the kind of the key things we're looking at on that one.
3: And then, as far as the uh, financial impact to us and the payout ratio, uh, <clears throat> right in our outlook, we talk about kind of every fifty million dollars Canadian of, of new deployment would uh, would knock the payout ratio down sort of three three and a half percent. So that would be kind of right in that range.
0: Okay, perfect. Thanks. And then Steve, um, I know it's hard to predict, but uh, just wanted your thought on the net capital deployment side. I think the other questions were kind of more on the gross capital deployment side. Uh, but just looking out over the next twelve months, you no. Know, um, and and also, you know, good to see the the carry electric and JBM follow on in this environment. So so just want to pick your brain on that in terms of the net side, uh, looking out over the next twelve months.
4: Yeah, it's one of the benefits of, of uh, the pandemic is that uh, you know the, the M&A market isn't as as hot and, uh, and frothy as it as it would have been in the past from from private equity firms, uh, particularly because banks are more cautious and private equity requires on high leverage levels to uh, to do their deals. So you know I think it's going to reduce the number of uh, redemptions that we get, uh, as you've seen, um, you know it already has in this. Calendar year and and uh, so there there's a you know a couple of our of our partners uh, obviously Kimco is is one that could be a possibility for redemption um, as uh, as we've already discussed um, but uh, in terms of material redemptions we don't see much right now that would be um, you know uh, on the radar screen but you know things can change um, you know I always. Like to think, you know, there's probably one or two companies each year. Uh, if you just do the math on the size of our portfolio, uh, you know, you should get one or two each year based on our average hold period um, that uh, that sell. But uh, might be a little less over the next 12 months. But um, it, it'll really depend on on how quickly you know things get back to normal. Which, if I was a betting man, I would say it's it's going to take a while.
0: Okay. Okay. That's great. And then my last question, uh, Stephen, you' uh, I know you you're in a much better payout position now in the mid seventy percent range. You talked about planet fitness that could bring that down further um, and you also mentioned that uh, I think your comfort range is in the sixty five to seventy percent range so but when I think about historically, you've operated in the ninety percent range, and the stock has traded quite volatile given kind of redemption and capital deployment news. Now, does does that change your way and um, how you think about raising dividends? And could you bring that payout ratio down further before you think about increasing dividends here?
4: So I think uh, you know I think you nailed it. I, uh, Sixty-five to seventy percent is is kind of our our target. Um, that gives a huge amount of buffer, and and I think should really reduce the volatility of the way our stock trades. Um, but there, there's really no Reason, look. If if the market doesn't want to pay us for our dividend, that I guess that would be a different equation, and we would just retain more and more capital for uh, for growth. But uh, you know, I, I think we will get rewarded for for you know our growth and, and increasing a dividend, keeping that payout ratio in that 65% range. Uh, I think that's you know, from what we've seen right now, I think that's going to be our strategy, which. As I mentioned in my little talk, uh, if if you get Planet Fitness on and you get some deployment, it would certainly put us in a position to uh, to increase the dividend and stay at that 65% range.
0: Well, that's that's exactly where I was trying to go because the, your dividend yield is quite high, um, and I think you guys have talked about Planet Fitness coming back on. But if the stock doesn't move back into kind of more higher territory, uh, even though you know Planet Fitness might come on, would you perhaps you know, retain more of that for uh, capital deployment or, or or organic growth.
4: It's a consideration. Uh, you know, I think um, you know with the catalysts of of uh, Planet Fitness and and deployment, I I really don't think we'll stay at this kind of a yield. Um, maybe that's wishful thinking, but you know, if uh, if it does, then uh, you know, then that would be a consideration to uh, to just retain retain that uh, excess cash flow uh, internally and and redeploy it into 14% uh uh opportunity. So, yeah, it's it's a consideration we've talked about about that uh over this period of time, but uh I do think that we'll get rewarded for uh for those catalysts and then for increasing the dividend.
0: Okay. Great. Uh that's it for me. Thank you.
4: Thank
1: you. Thank you. And next question will be from Abelash Shabaham at Stifle. Please go ahead.
0: Uh, hi, guys. I just had a quick question. Uh, uh, have you all been seeing any indications of uh, further lockdowns in any of the states where Planet Fitness operates? And uh, is that kind of a consideration that's coming up when you all have your discussions with the uh, senior lender there?
4: Yeah, so... Um we we think that uh we're in a pretty good place with Planet Fitness uh they are as you know uh, closures of businesses are, are really uh, done at the state and county level not uh, not federally and and uh, Planet Fitness has worked a lot with the governors in the states that they operate in and, and really don't see any desire to to close any clubs uh but never say never uh, like uh no one has a crystal ball on this pandemic um and if things go completely out of control then then there's a possibility but as it stands today at uh, at these levels and at this time um, uh, closures aren't being considered uh, so that's key to working with their lenders um, the cash flow stream is is strong as I mentioned the kind of the underlying numbers and trends uh, seem to be all moving in the right direction so uh, we think there's uh, there's a good path there and the lenders seem to be working well right now um, so we'll be we'll be sitting down with the lenders and the company uh, over the next uh, 2 weeks and uh, hopefully you know coming up with uh, with a plan on on how to get uh, our distributions restarted and and uh you know kind of how any potential phasing might uh, might look like uh, based on kind of operational targets that they'll set for the company
0: uh okay thank you that's it for me
4: great thank you
1: thank you and at this time, Mr. King, we have no further questions. So I would like to turn the call back over to you.
4: Great. Well, thank you very much, uh, everybody, for uh, for tuning in. And uh, as always, uh, Curtis, Darren, and myself are are always available for uh, for follow-up calls and conversations. So uh, I encourage you to do that. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll uh, we look forward to coming out with uh, with new news and uh, and uh, and a hopefully a solid fourth quarter. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending. And at this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a good weekend.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time.